Well, I'm just getting sick of people thinking I'm Australian, so I <laughs> wanted to clear that one up once and for all. No, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you'll know that about a month ago I posted a link and a picture to this, this suit, and I, uh, I said, if anyone buys this for me, I promise to wear it the next time I preach, and so... <laughs> So several of you chipped in. Thank you to, to those who contributed to the suit fund. Um, maybe, maybe one day we can auction it off for something that's actually a good cause. Um, <laughs> uh, we've been working through the book of Acts for like four or five months now since Easter. And this morning we're actually going to finish off Acts. Next week, we're going to be talking all about Saturday night at Chapel Hill, which is our new worship service. Really excited for you guys to hear more about that and uh, get behind this vision. In two weeks' time, we're going to be introducing our sermon series for the whole year. We're going to be preaching through a book called The Story. Now, The Story is an abridged, chronological version of the Bible. It takes you right the way from the beginning of time in Genesis all the way to the end of time. And we're going to be doing it as a whole church. Our life groups, our children's ministries, our student ministries, our women's ministries, we're all going to be involved going through the story from nine months from September to June. And our hope is that by the end of it, we'll all be able to grasp what is the big story that God has written over time and what is our place within that. So I'm really excited about that. That's, we're kicking that off in two weeks' time. Uh, but today, we're finishing off the book of Acts. And I don't know if you've noticed, if you've been reading through the book of Acts, but pretty much the last two-thirds of it is all about one man. And his name is Paul. And so this morning, I want us to consider what was Paul's mission? Because he takes up so much of this book. What was, what was he living for? What was his life about? What was his heart about? And to do that, we're going to watch a video in a second. Before I do that, um, if there are any kids, I know we have kids in the service because this is Family Worship Month. Would you come down front? I want you to come and sit on the steps uh, while we watch this video. As they're doing that, um, parents and uh, other adults, I want to ask you the question. Hey, sit down here. We'll just crouch down. Um, what, what are you living for? What's your life about? What's your, what's your mission? Organizations have mission statements, right? We, we have a mission statement here at Chapel Hill. Does anyone, we, do we know what our mission statement is at Chapel Hill? Yes. Can we say it together? Working together to present everyone mature in Christ. Let's say it again. Working together to present everyone mature in Christ. Great job. Yeah, that's our mission at Chapel Hill. But what is the mission of our lives, our individual lives? What is your mission out there? What is, what is your mission? That's what I want us to think about this morning. Why are you living? I've got answers already. This is amazing. We'll get to that in a second. But what we're going to do is we're going to first think about what was Paul's mission. So we're going to watch a video about Paul. And as you watch... I want you to ask yourself the question, what was Paul's life all about? What did he live his life for? He lived his life for being a missionary. He lived his life for being a missionary, yeah. So we're going to hopefully find out more about that as we take a look at the screens. God's story, Paul. So part of God's story is about a man named Paul, and it begins like this. Paul was born in a city called Tarsus. Back then, being born in Tarsus was about as cool as being born in an amusement park. 
So Paul thought he was cooler than other people, especially the ones who were following Jesus. Paul turned into a real bully. He found ways to get people who were following Jesus thrown in jail, beat up, and even killed. One day, Jesus yelled from the sky, Paul, Paul, why are you acting this way? Then Jesus shined a really bright light, brighter than the sun, right into Paul's eyes. Paul couldn't see anything for three days. Kids, never look straight at the sun. Remember what happened to Paul. After Paul could see again, he decided to listen to God. And not just listen. Paul decided to spend his whole life telling people about God and God's son Jesus. Paul knew if he was going to tell people about God, he better get to know God. Paul found different ways to get to know God. Sometimes he fasted, which is when you skip a meal or many meals, and spend time praying to God instead. Other times, he snuck off alone so he could sit and listen to God. Paul said getting to know God was like training to run a big race. Sometimes training for a race takes work, especially if you want to win. Just like it can sometimes take hard work to fast or sit quietly and listen to God. But for Paul, knowing God was way better than winning first place, even if the prize is a million billion dollars. Once Paul knew God, he was so excited that he wanted to tell everyone, even people he didn't know. Paul became a missionary. A missionary is a person who goes to new places and tells people about Jesus. And even while he was doing this, Paul was writing lots and lots of letters telling other people about Jesus. Now sometimes, Paul found out that not everybody wanted to hear about God. But he told them about God anyway, just to make sure everybody had a chance to hear. Have you ever tried talking to somebody when they weren't listening to you? The people started getting really mad at Paul when he talked. They threw rocks at him, beat him up, put him in jail, and even tried to get rid of him completely. Guess what Paul did? He said he'd be happy to go to jail, get beat up, and even die if it means more people know about Jesus. Well, God was with Paul when he was getting beat up and put in jail. One night, God even sent an earthquake to open the doors of the jail so Paul could be free. But instead of escaping, Paul stayed to tell the prison guard about Jesus. Later on, Paul was sent to a bigger city with a bigger jail. To get there, he had to take a boat. During hurricane season, one of the storms hit Paul's boat and it got shipwrecked. Sorry. So he had to swim all the way to a nearby island. Picture swimming in the North Pole with penguins. That's how cold Paul was. But as soon as he saw there were people living on the island, what do you think he did? Yep, he taught them about Jesus. Paul never stopped telling people about Jesus and how Jesus loves everyone and wants to help them stop doing wrong things and teach them how to know him. He got put in jail at least four times, was shipwrecked three times, and was even bitten by a poisonous snake. But Paul didn't care what happened. He was so happy knowing God that he just wanted everybody else to know God too. And that's the story of Paul. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Paul was a bully who didn't follow God. God blinded him for three days. Then Paul believed in God, and he spent time getting to know God. He decided to tell everyone about Jesus. He was willing to have rocks thrown at him, go to jail, get beat up, get shipwrecked, or even die as long as he could tell people about God. And that's a part of God's story. All right. So were you paying close attention? I asked you a question. What was, what was Paul's life all about? So what do you think? Yeah. Being a missionary? Yeah. What was uh, what some other, other things was his life about? Telling people about God? Telling people about God? Yeah. 
being a bully. Yeah, that was part of his life before. He's not, he wasn't a bully at the end of his life. Yeah, you're right. Going in jail. Going in jail, yeah. Getting hit. Getting hit, yeah, getting beaten up, you're right. Knowing God, yeah, that was an important part of it. Trying to learn more about him. Trying to learn more about him. What was the, like, the one thing, it's already kind of been said, that the video kept repeating? What was that? That uh, he just wanted to tell every single person in the whole entire world who God was. Every single person in the whole entire world who God was. And who's God? The guy who lives up there. The guy who lives up there, and he came down to earth, and what was his name? Jesus. That was what Paul's life was about, was telling people all about Jesus. And uh, Jesus was God, so he was telling people about God. You're right. There's a verse in Acts where Paul tells us what his mission was, what his life was all about. It's in Acts 20, 24 for grown-ups. If you want to like, write that down or look it up, 2024, it's going to go on the screen so that you can see it. And this is what the verse says. I want, as, as I say this verse, I want you to see what what is this verse, and this is Paul who's writing this, what does he say is his life all about? I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So what's Paul's task? To testify. Testify, yeah. What's he testifying about? God. God, yeah, and the, the gospel of God's grace. That's what Paul says his life was all about. Now, those are some big words. So I want to help us out a little bit because I don't even necessarily understand what they all mean. So if you keep that verse on the screens, that'd be awesome. Um, what does it mean to testify? Does anyone know? I It means to, to tell others what somebody has told him. Yeah, that's, that's one way testifying could be. Any, any other? What, what does it mean to testify? It's a, it's a word we don't use a lot. Does anyone know where we sometimes use it? Where people might sometimes testify? Sometimes, yeah? Church. At church, yeah. Church is one of those places. It's a churchy word. So sometimes we talk about testifying at church. Anywhere else outside of church? Sometimes people testify, Yeah. In court, you're right, yeah. Sometimes when people have done something wrong and they have to go to court to defend themselves, they're asked to testify. Now what testifying is, is telling people this is the truth. That's what testifying is. It's, it's telling someone this is the truth. So what was Paul testifying about? What does it say? The gospel of God's grace. That's what it says. Does anyone know what gospel means? Yeah? Yeah, there's books in the Bible called Gospels. You're right. That's what we call them. Does anyone know what the word means? Does it mean like a missionary? Not quite, but we're getting there. Yeah, Austin? The Bible, yeah. We, there's some books in the Bible we call the Gospels. Well, the word Gospel is actually an old English word. It was from the country I come from, and it meant good news. That's all, the go- that's all the word gospel means. Now, what's the best news you've ever heard? The best news you've ever heard? When Jesus was born. When Jesus was born. That was pretty good news. What about some other best news that you've ever heard? When my sister was born. When your sister was born, yeah? Um, when God came back to life. When God came back to life, great. When my dad didn't have to deploy. When your dad didn't have to deploy, that's awesome news, isn't it? 
that Jesus might come back. Best news, Austin? That people decided to write the Bible. So there's lots of different best news we've ever heard. But Paul's good news was about, it says, he says, God's grace. Now, does anyone know what grace means? Another hard word. Yeah, Elena? Um, grace means kind of like he forgives us if we've done something bad. He forgives us if we've done something bad. Yeah, that's good. Anyone over here, do you know what grace means? No? I'm going back this way. There were some hands over here. Hayden? No, that's okay. You didn't. You put your hand back down. So, go for it. It was like when there's peace. Yeah. So I like to think of grace like this. Okay. Let's say you did something wrong. Like let's say maybe you stole some money from your mum or dad. All right. How would you expect your mum and dad to react? They'd probably say, "Well, you got to pay me back." And I'm going to punish you like no TV or, or no, no iPad or something for a month. And you're going to have to do extra chores around the house. And you're going to go to bed early and all these sorts of things. That's probably what they would do if you stole money from them, right? Now, grace would be like this, okay? Your parents say, you don't have to pay me back. I'm not going to punish you. I'm just going to take you out for ice cream. That's happened to you, has it? Yesterday. Yesterday that happened to you. Good job, Mike and Spring. Um, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, that's not what you expect. That's why grace is so amazing. And that's the truth of God's grace. You see, we've all done wrong things. We've all messed up. And God says, I'm not going to punish you for the wrong things you've done. The, the truth is, he took that punishment himself. Okay? He says, I'm not going to punish you for it. I just want to be with you. I love you. I want to spend time with you. I want to do fun things together. And when you do wrong things, that gets in the way. So instead, I'm going to take the punishment myself because I want to spend time with you. I want to be with you. That's the good news about God's grace. And that was what Paul spent his whole life going around telling people. God loves you. He's not going to punish you. He just wants to be with you. He wants to spend time with you. That was what Paul's life was all about. Well, kids, you've been really helpful. I'm going to ask you to go back and sit with your parents uh, and join them for the rest of the message. Thank you so much. So Acts 20, 24, that's, that's the verse we're really centering around this morning. Uh, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me except that I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And as we have read through Acts, and and hopefully as you finish off the book of Acts, I know many of you are doing that, really encourage you to read right the way through to the end of the book. You see this like mission statement of Paul coming through in his life again and again and again. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. So many times we've seen Paul treat his life as as not worth anything to him. 
Okay, he's been stoned almost to death. He's been thrown in jail. He's been almost lynched by a mob. As you keep reading through Acts into the last eight chapters, you see him almost being lynched again. You see him going to jail for a long time. You see him being shipwrecked. You see him being bitten by a snake. But, but none of this can hold Paul back because he doesn't consider his life of any worth to himself. He has single-mindedly focused on one thing, this task that the Lord Jesus has given him. And nothing is going to stop him from doing it. And so we see him completing this task of testifying to the good news about God's grace. We, we see him in these last eight chapters, just when he's about to escape from being lynched by an angry crowd, just as he's about to go to safety, he turns and he says, hang on, I want to speak to the crowd. It's like, Paul, what are you thinking? These guys were about to kill you. Why do you want to speak to them now? Well, because he wants to tell them the good news about God's grace. You can't stop the guy. He spends two years in jail with a man called Felix, who was the governor that Rome had sent to Israel at that time. And for two whole years, he spent all that time telling Felix the good news about God's grace. He didn't try to get himself free or anything like that. He just wanted to tell him about Jesus. A little bit later, he was visited by the Jewish king who was called Agrippa. And this Jewish king could have set him free, could have protected him from the Jews. And Paul could have used that opportunity to stand in front of him and to, and to make that sort of thing happen. Instead, what did he do? Tell him about Jesus. Because that was what he did. When he got shipwrecked on an island and bitten by a snake, what did he do? He told people about Jesus. When he finally arrived in Rome, the first thing he did was to gather all the Jews together. Now remember, the Jews in every single city have wanted to kill him. So when he arrives in a new city, what's he thinking? Why does he want to gather the Jews together? Because he so passionately wants to tell people the good news about God's grace. He wants to tell people about Jesus. That is his life's mission. And nothing is going to stop him. Nothing is going to take him off track. He is laser focused on that one thing. And why? Well, Paul says in that verse, Acts 20, 24, he says that this is the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. He knows that this isn't something that he's come up with himself, but this is a gift that's been given to him by God. That he has the privilege of telling people about God's grace. He knows that, that God didn't save him so that he could sit around with other Christians and study the Bible and sing Kumbaya all day long. God saved him so he could tell others the good news about God's grace, that many might be saved. That is why Paul does it, because it was his gift given to him by God. His life's purpose, it gave him meaning. It gave him a reason to be. So that was Paul. That was his purpose, his life mission, his mission statement. But what about us? What's our purpose? What's our mission? What's, what's our life all about? Can I be so bold as to suggest it's actually the same thing as it was for Paul? When Jesus left his disciples, he, he had some parting words for them. Matthew records them in Matthew 28. Jesus says to them, go and make disciples. In Acts 1, Luke records them as you, Jesus saying to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
If you are a disciple of Jesus, your life's mission is the same as Paul's. It is to make disciples. It is to be Jesus' witnesses. It is to testify to the good news about God's grace. It is to tell people about Jesus. And why? Because that's what we're saved for. God doesn't just save us from something. He saves us to something. He saves us to a purpose. He saves us to a, a, a ministry. He saves us to a mission that we get to be a part of that we get to be a part of God saving and redeeming and restoring this entire world. That is indeed a great privilege, and it is a gift from God to each one of us. There have been several times in my life when God has really impressed upon me that this is what life is all about. The first of those was when I was 18, I had just graduated high school, I was heading off to college, and my goal in life, my aim in life, was to get a great degree, get a fantastic job in the city of London, and earn a ton of money. That was what I wanted to live for, that was what I wanted to do. But that summer, in between high school and college, I took a, a trip to Kenya, and went with my church to visit some community projects there, working with the uh, widows and orphans and victims of the HIV AIDS epidemic. Now, we didn't go to build anything. We didn't go to practically help in any way. We just went to be with those people. And it transformed what I thought my life should be about. You see, I remember one moment sitting in a mud hut, face to face with a family, parents and a four-month-old baby. The parents were both HIV positive, So was the baby. And the baby was suffering right there from a life-threatening condition that needed surgery quickly. And the parents didn't have the money to do it. And as I'm sat there, all I have to bring is the Bible and the Holy Spirit living inside of me. There's nothing else that I have to give. And in that moment, I realized, you know what? Even if we had all the money in the world to throw at this HIV AIDS crisis, even if, even if we did that, if we didn't also give them Jesus, it would be worthless. Because at the end of the day, every single person is going to finish their life at some point, sooner or later. And without Jesus, their destiny is not going to be with God forever. And so I knew From that moment on, my life had to be about telling people about Jesus. That had to be what I did. Now, I didn't know that I was going to go on and be a pastor. I didn't know that I was going to be called to that. I still thought I might go into finance. But at that moment, I knew I had to make my life about that. There was another time that God really impressed this upon me. It was a couple of years ago when my daughter Evelyn was born. I remember holding her there in those first few weeks and and just looking at her, this tiny little seven pound, four ounce bundle of of joy and just thinking, oh my goodness, (laughs) I'm her father. (laughs) I get to set the course for her life. I get to make the biggest impression out of any other man in this world on her life. And I started to think, well, what do I want? What do I want from her? Do I, do I want to make her life about staying safe? Well, of course I want her to be safe, but, 
Do I want to make her life about that? Do I want to make her life about being happy? Well, I want her to be happy, but do I want to make her life about that? Do I want to make her life about being successful? I want that, but that isn't. And all these things I started to think, if I make her life about that, I'm selling her a lie. Because life is not about those things. You know, at the end of the day, those things are going to be worthless when we're dead and gone. I realized that there was only one thing that mattered for Evelyn, and that was that she knew Jesus. That was all that was going to matter at the end of the day. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know what? I don't want her to just know Jesus. I want her to be used by God to tell hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people all about Jesus. That's my prayer for her, that she would testify to the good news about God's grace. And that's my prayer for my son, Ezra, as well. That's my prayer for all of our children, that they would tell the world that Jesus lives. There was another time that it was really impressed upon me, and this was only a month ago, sitting in that prayer chapel over there. I uh, get the privilege of working with our deacons here at Chapel Hill, and one of our deacons, uh, by the name of Karen, Karen DeVault, uh, was diagnosed a couple of months back with a, a glioblastoma. It's a grade four cancerous brain tumor. Um, and the statistics for people who are diagnosed with this condition are not good. Um, so we wanted to gather the deacons around her, lay hands on her, uh, pray for her. Um, and I came that night expecting to see someone who was downtrodden, who was really struggling, who was finding life incredibly difficult. Instead, what I came and found was, was a woman who, she didn't feel able to speak because she, she's still suffering with some short-term memory loss, but who presented me with a journal, her journal, and said, I want you to read my journal entries from earlier this week. And as we read these journal entries to the group, she started out by saying, I, I, I've never led anyone to the Lord in my life. But right now, all I want to do is testify to others about God. That's all that matters to me right now, is telling people about Jesus, about his faithfulness, about how good he is. This is a woman who is staring death in the face. And all she can say is, that one thing alone matters. Nothing else matters. Between services, I was sitting having breakfast in the gathering place, and a, and a woman named Susan walked up to me. And she, she shared this, this with me. It's a, a journal entry from her husband from 2006. This was a month before he was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. He died a year later. And he wrote this in his journal, and she, she shared this with me. Recommit to continue my journey with Jesus, to change me, to focus on living with urgency. God's clock is ticking. I have little time left to serve my Lord. What to do with this time will have either little or great value for eternity. Things of this world, cars, toys, prizes, etc., have no lasting value, but people do. I want to be with people for eternity. People that I was willing to invest my life for. I want to be hungry for you, Jesus. Please come. God, purify this filter of your word 
so I can represent you. One day, each one of us is going to pass from this world. And there'll be a a gathering of people in honor of us. And someone will stand up and give a eulogy, give give a speech about our lives. Speak about the sort of person that we were, the sort of things that we did, the the lives that we touched. What do you want that person to say on that day when those people are gathered there to remember you? What do you want to be remembered for? Success? Fame? Being kind? Some of those things are good. But honestly, 50, 75, 100 years after we've left this earth, People aren't going to remember those things. I mean, how many of you know what your great-great-grandparents were like? There is only one thing, one life mission, one purpose that has eternal significance, that can eternally impact people's lives. And that is what Paul made his life about, and that is testifying to the good news about God's grace. That is the one thing that matters at the end of this day, at the the end of the day. When we stand before Jesus, will we be there with the people that we know and loved? Or won't we? Paul knew that was what his life had to be about. And it is my prayer that we would all know that that is what our lives are called to be about. We are called to be disciple makers. We are called to be Jesus' witnesses to a dying world. We are called to make the name and renown of Jesus high and lifted up across this city, across this peninsula, across this country, across this world. That is our call as disciples of Jesus. That is what Jesus has given us as a gift to do, as a purpose, as a mission. And we should not lose focus on that mission. We should not count our lives as worth anything except that we may complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given us. That we may finish the race. That we may testify to the good news about God's grace. Let's pray. Father, would you fill us with your spirit this morning? Would you set us on fire with a love for your people, your people who are, are, are yet to be drawn to you, who are still out there, with the, for the, a love for the people in our families, for, for our friends, for our co-workers, a love for, for this city, for this peninsula. God, we pray that you would fill us with that love that would spur us on to testify to the good news about your grace, that would spur us on to tell people about Jesus, that would spur us on to say things that will have everlasting significance, that will eternally impact people's lives. God, would you set us on fire? Would you send us out? Would you give us your heart for these people? And God, we know that you've saved us, that you have redeemed us, that you have set us free. But we know that we haven't just been set free from something. We've been set free to something. And God, would you set us free to do this task? And so God, we praise your name. We thank you. We worship you. And God, we pray that many others would come to worship you 
and know you too, that your name would be lifted high in this city, in this peninsula, God, that your name would be praised, that your name would be shouted out loud, that the name of Jesus would be lifted high, high above all other things, and that many may come to know and believe that Jesus is Lord.